welcome back for the final time in uh in a while to uh this episode of 64 chess podcast i am your host david coming at you live as always from the great state of illinois joining me on the podcast eight-time russian champion world cup winner perennial hearthstone player and my all-time favorite guest of the podcast please welcome back to the show grandmaster peters fiddler welcome back how's it going uh hello everyone uh hi david <laughs> I just want to, uh, to start us off on the euphemisms. Uh, children have been stealing them from me, so I don't really have them anymore. But I've been buying effing bird, effing birds merch. Effing birds is my all-time favorite account on Twitter, and they they have a very, you know, prominent merch store. So one of the t-shirts I bought recently is just a plain white white t-shirt, I think, with a very nice picture of a bird. And the caption, don't ask me how the fuck I am. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it's that that generally that generally answers this question, I think. Okay. I no longer have it though, because uh, my kids have my fine taste in things. Yeah, I'm the same way with with my dad. I just take his clothing. Um, it is what it is, you know. Yes, yes. I will have to buy more. Yeah, and the, we, we've actually had this conversation with one of my kids. I I told him that. When they were younger, uh, I thought what will break our family financially is G-Dubs. I don't know if you if you're aware of Games Workshop and specifically uh, uh, Warhammer 40k miniatures. Ah, okay, yeah. <laughs> that appears to have passed, but now I think what what is actually going to break this family is me just buying the entire thing, birds first. Okay, two two t-shirts at a time. What about Hearthstone packs? Does that uh, does that break the bank at no all? No longer available for me. Ah, okay, I see. So if that that particular avenue of whaling has been closed off, are you still hard stuck at six k in battlegrounds? Yeah, yeah. Well, that comes from not really like I at some point I took a very long break from uh from the game by my standards, and I kind of and I also I think what's even more kind of important in that context is that I stopped watching good streamers or really any streamers if i do watch hearthstone these days it's somehow classic i mean standard classical classic <laughs> <laughs> yeah not classic no 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 but standard which was something i like i went completely away from from that See, apart from watching my friends cast like i would i would still watch tournaments because a lot of the people casting the tournaments these days i know personally and like them quite a lot and watching them cast is a joy but uh yeah i i went very very far in a different direction but now for, for some reason i'm back to i'm back to watching people play the the vanilla mode mm -hmm. and without without uh, watching good players play battlegrounds i just have no idea what i'm doing the last game i played before this this show began was me trying nomi like and i i've known for a year that i'm not supposed to play nomi <laughs> I didn't but even know Nomi was in Battlegrounds. Uh, that's the the very very old elemental build, which is just not fast enough anymore. Like everything outscales Nomi. Mm -hmm. Like if you can combine Nomi with some of the kind of more recent elemental things, it might still work. But like turn seven vanilla Nomi with nothing on the board will never get you scaling quickly enough. And I know this, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, I saw a Nomi. I bought a Nomi and I tried. So uh, very hard to get above 6K with, with those types of strats. 
Is there like a uh, adult improver community for Hearthstone that you're a part of or something like that? I'm I'm in a lot of servers. I see. Uh, okay. I'm I'm an I I I muted them all and I don't participate, but I am in a lot of servers. Um uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, uh since you joined the podcast in was it June 22, you actually became a uh, occasional podcast host yourself uh, on the Chicken Chess Club. You were there a few times for the World Championship. Well, host is host is generous. I'm, I'm yeah. Uh, I'm subbing in for people occasionally. Uh, it's enjoyable. Those are those are friends. I like talking to them. Is that because you missed being on this podcast so much, or was there a different podcast that you? Um... <laughs> yeah, you're all my favorite podcasters. I'm not but... going to choose between mom and dad. I see. But am I mom or dad? <laughs> mom, clearly. I mean, what? You've had a pretty, pretty interesting year of chess. You played in Malmo, Tepe Sigmon, and Co. You actually won that tournament four and a half out of seven. I think you played Mishra in a tiebreak. Uh, I was supposed to play Mishra in a tiebreak. I mean, I actually ended up playing a couple of Blitz game again, games against him because we both kind of wanted that to happen. Ah, okay. And, but, I remember uh, that. but he lost to Boris. And uh, I, I actually won it outright because he needed the, he needed the draw. Uh-huh. I, I uh, so those games were just friendlies because we we kind of felt that uh you know him him losing that game and us not not playing because we played in round one but we were both like I was extremely rusty and I was kind of okay with playing something very very safe and the game was a bit of a non-event so for both of us I think it felt like playing some more chess would be of interest but it wasn't an official tiebreak yeah, what what's your take on on Mishra's ability having played him? Because obviously he's one of the you know up and coming prodigies. We spent a good part of the last episode talking about prodigies, but so I'm kind of curious mm. what your assessment of his to, chess way, is. Way way too early to tell. I mean, he's obviously he's obviously going to be good, but how good? Yeah, you know whether whether he should already be mentioned sort of in the same breath as the people whose names we like think about when we talk about prodigies these days. I don't know. Uh, very unclear, and I think, well, like in particular, because I mean, that cropper they're all 18 and above, right? Maybe mm -hmm. Gukesh is still 17, but most of them are like 18, 19, 20. And Mishra is what 13 now, yeah. I think uh, it's 13 or 14. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just such a gulf, it's just so difficult to uh, to know. That's um. I think my first game against Magnus when he was when he was that age or thereabouts, and honestly, even with him, like we all knew that he isn't very good. But even with him, like when you and I was a sort of an established player by that point, obviously with the age difference and everything, you could still be excused for thinking, "I'm not a hundred percent sure here." Like I can see, I can see his better than I was when I was 17, but that's maybe not such a high bar. <laughs> and, you know, I'm I'm feeling pretty comfortable so far, and maybe he'll start beating me in three years, or maybe he won't, you know, and or in a year and a half, as, as the case may be. Uh, so, yeah, I've and I'm not really, I don't really rate myself as a kind of a judge of talent. I, you know, I don't really coach all that much, and I've never really you know, paid much attention, uh, honestly, and tried like to align my perception of how good these guys are at 16 with what they are at 20. So, mm, 
I mean, he's going to be good, but that's not the interesting point. The interesting point is, you know, whether we already should consider him like a a challenger for the title in, I don't know, 2027 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. I think also one thing that I'm thinking about now to ask is, I mean, there's a lot about age, right, in terms of going from strong 2500 young teenager to you know world's elite but and i mean i've heard other players kind of talk about this like ikaris talked about this on his streams quite a few times but i'm curious what your take is especially today i mean is there a difference in kind of breaking into the world's elite compared to you know when you did it 30 years ago now or something like that not to not to date you or anything but um you know is there is it preparation now is it coaching is it having a team is it just like i guess what i'm asking is what's the concrete things you have to do if you're like some you know 2600 ish young teenager trying to make it to the world's elite like well is it just a lot of tournaments i mean obviously you have to win right? i don't, yeah. I don't think that necessarily changed all that much from let's say the mid 90s when i was doing it to to now uh i mean prep has obviously changed a tremendous amount but uh it's still going to be the same things like you, you you need to you need to love the game you need to work on it very hard and you know even i was very enthusiastic about the game at those those days uh and uh yeah volume will will play a tremendous part in that and uh, all the things you mentioned like if you if you have access to good coaching that will make all of those things go faster smoother uh, you know you will be pointed in decent directions and uh that's incredibly useful but mainly it's just sort of uh, constantly working on games and uh and and playing and you know getting into stronger and stronger fields which will i think happen or or organically it's not like you have to uh you know necessarily have specific opportunities like sponsorship helps obviously and like being pushed into events helps but it it'll happen anyway uh as you improve it's not uh you don't actually need any kind of special support as long as you as you as long as you continue improving and uh you know getting in constantly getting into the to play against fields which are somewhat stronger than you uh and learning by playing people who are outplaying you beating you potentially you know and all those things still still hold true but obviously you know the one big change that looms over all, all, all over all of these conversations which wasn't the case in let's say 95 is the amount of opening prep these days you have to do starting from a certain level to just hang in there how do you even and that that has changed obviously yeah. but but how do you even learn like is it just again is it just experience kind of you know let's say a guy like misha plays Anish Giri in an open tournament and just sees that this guy has prepped, you know, 20 something moves in some random night of three system is and then you just realize, oh, I'm just not at this level. I have to have to actually work that hard because I mean, clearly there are exceptions to the rule. Like person I'm thinking about now is like MVL, right, who he's prepped super, super, super deep in a couple of openings. And it was I mean, it's good enough to beat Magnus in this AI cup or whatever, which I don't know if you've been following. But um, I I follow life just religiously. Like I don't miss miss (laughs) live events. Yeah. Have you been following? uh, Well, you have. You weren't following tournaments that I've been playing. So that is fair. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) things have become harder to find. Yeah, it's difficult. Like, uh, yeah, like weirdly, 
like I had to ask for and, and, and that's on me because that wasn't that hard to find but the fact that chest 24 is you know somewhat dwindling away as a reliable source of things has made it trickier because I was like curious because there's Asian games going on right now with a bunch of very strong players including players that are sort of in the conversation we're having right now yeah like the Indian team is basically just all kids um with Hari there to sort of remind people that there are still some players in India who are not 18 <laughs> also very very good but not not 18 yeah. uh and uh yeah it, I didn't find it on chess 24 maybe it's me but I like legit couldn't find it even by searching for the word Asian uh which should give you like if you search for like Asian games 2023 it should give you something but it, at least it, like maybe I I'm doing it wrong but it didn't and I didn't find it like I found it on chess.com, but it was only the individual and the team event started by that point, and the team event wasn't up yet. Uh, and then Lee Chess bailed me out. But yeah, I think yeah, like, like eating your tournaments, you you'll have to send me links if, yeah. if you want me to. If you want me to give you, well, you know, proper feedback on your games, you have to send me links. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Champagne Chess Championship is going to be on Lee Chess or anything like that, but maybe. Although Lee Chess. It should be. It should be. It's very high quality games. Um, although, yeah, I, I one other thing I wanted to ask you, uh, we talked to kind of about, you know, you put in the work, you enough games and stuff like that. At the same time, I've noticed like in the last 10 years, um, well, I mean, I guess 2013, fine, it was probably a little different, but really the the true top level of chess, it evolves very slowly in terms of who's at the top. So I, there's also yeah, there's a lot of continuity, yeah. But how much of that is skill, and how much of that is just you know you made it to the top, you put in your your draws in your invites, and because I see the cynical argument about you know how certain people like you know they get their check at you know one of these round robin events, they score like half a point above the average, go home, rinse and repeat, they like lose the rating point. Um, and then you know you think about somebody like Hans, which I'm um, you know a lot of drama recently somehow, but he was you know touching 2700, had this stuff happen to him, and now he's just grinding tournament after tournament. He's just kind of at this you know 2650, 2680 fluctuation. So maybe he never makes it to the top fine, but um, he's playing in terms of volume, like you said, he's playing a lot more games than you know, a lot of people. The yeah, there's there's this argument. I don't know. Like, I'm aware of the argument, and I think it's like there is there's the extreme version of this argument, which I don't quite agree with. Like, there's people out there saying that there's absolutely no reason uh, to to think that like the top ten is stronger than the top fifty. It's just that the top fifty never gets to play in those tournaments, which I think is just absolutely wrong. Uh, but it will definitely be true about some specific players in the top 50 who are let's say sort of young growing talents who because of you know random things perhaps will never get their opportunity and I don't know if Hans is the best example but yeah he will be you know an example uh and yeah who knows who knows how this ends up uh and uh yeah uh he, he continues finding ways to uh to be in the spotlight which is sort of both good and bad and also like clearly a choice so maybe that's uh, the goal even 
that's kind yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, I really uh, let let him let him let him do what he feels is. Yeah, what he feels is good for him, and let's see let's see how this plays out. Although, you know, I'm I am generally very interested in uh, uh, in you know drama and gossip and you know living vicariously through others and all that kind of things. <laughs> uh, but, but honestly, like I had this conversation with my friends, and like I just said. I'm really hoping somebody will publish like cliffs or like an actual transcript because I'm not watching peers. There's just no way I'm watching peers, whatever peers does. Oh, the, oh you're talking about the peers Hans interview. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and apparently it was a very, very fun interview. It's hilarious. Watch, but, it yeah, is hilarious. But like, but like it's peers. I'm not touching it. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't it have been anybody else like so that I could watch? <laughs> it's just it felt very unfair for specifically specifically for me Piers also i with his interviews somehow with maybe the ronaldo one as an exception i mean i'm yeah i'm not a fan of Piers morgan but i mean he somehow finds all these you know controversial people like six months after like the controversy is over and but i mean this interview with hans and his lawyer i mean just the framing of all like just i mean it just it looks hilarious like the, there's a lot of physical comedy there. Um, and I'm aware. Then, I'm aware. I'm missing out. I might actually have to reconsider this once. And uh, you know, yeah. now that it has died down, and I'm like, it's it's the sort of I don't know if you're one of those idiots, but I definitely am. Like who like never watches the Oscar movies the year they, they come out. Like if you if you have this very clear picture, and you sometimes you do right, something comes out, and you know this will be an Oscar an Oscar nominee, potentially an Oscar winner, and you just don't watch. Because everybody else is watching, and like your your feed is full of reviews, and people are pining, and it just kind of ruins the movie for you, even without watching it. And sometimes it's a good movie, you know. Like it's not always shit. Yeah, <laughs> some of it will definitely be shit, but it's not always shit. Yeah, uh, but you still don't watch because, like, you already you you've had enough of it already without watching a second of it. So you and, think Piers uh, and Hans are going to get an Oscar for this, maybe? <laughs> I don't think there's a category, but you know, if there was, yeah, uh, a Grammy or uh, something, I don't know, Emmy, whatever, whatever applies here. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely one of the interviews of all time. I will say that. Yes, uh, yes, set, sets a good example. I mean, I'm I'm bowing out now, but uh, you know, it's nice to see that you know my legacy of interviewing chess players in an unprofessional manner it has been <laughs> has been carried on. <laughs> By someone that wasn't that person. wasn't actually the, the the feedback I was getting, because I think for, for for a change he knew exactly what he was doing. I think, and honestly, maybe we have to give him some credit because, like, yeah, I'm I'm still not not going to be Tim Pierce ever, but he is probably not such a bad bad professional. Well, I mean, he has, you know, I I I, I don't think you can just like these kinds of platforms don't appear out of nowhere right you have it's not yeah. just like having a fan base it's also like you there's the whole production side that you need to actually like keep up as well mm. um so yeah I mean, he can't be bad at this right i mean he's sitting down with ronaldo and basically i mean there's like a pre i don't know how much like football you watch but um very but, little these days yeah. who is your team i don't like i guess still arsenal and Ooh. by this point, yeah, 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 I'm aware. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah. aware of this. This immediately alienates a lot of your viewership, but I'm not gonna suddenly change change alliances just because of those reasons. 
Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I actually was just ragging on Arsenal yesterday to my friend. So allegiances. Uh, what do you mean alliances? Speak English, man. <laughs> alliances. It's, it's early here. It's like nine a.m. Well, yeah, but that that that, that excuse doesn't really yeah. doesn't really work for me. It's, it's not particularly early. Fun. Yeah, it's not also yeah. particularly early. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have to kind of. Well, you you apparently have a social life, which yeah, I do. It's, I lay I, do. I lay no claim to. Yeah. My dog is stewed today, so this is. My I was just life. about to ask how how your dog is doing. How's he's, Joyce? He's he's doing well. Yeah, he got a he got a new toy, or rather, he got the same toy he got because he finally chewed through it, so it was dead. <laughs> so we bought him a replacement, exactly like the one he. Che- but that was like normally they last a day, and this one lasted month, and he was very very happy with it, and then he finally killed it, so so we bought him a new one. You know, I asked Anish like um, when I had him on the podcast about you know if he's ever going to teach his you know his young children chess, and I mean jo- uh, Joyce is already two, so is there any point where you start to think about maybe you know teaching him how the pieces move and kind of see where that goes? We could try doing something chess related because he's a he's a pretty smart dog. I like we can definitely teach him some chess related tricks. I don't know what they what they would be, but we could. I, I assume if we put some work into it, we could get him to do something with those props. I just, somebody needs to give me guidance. I mean, you could teach him the first few moves of the Ray Lopez, maybe. It's not too difficult. That's like, he is a large, large dog. What about like a life-size chessboard though? Yeah. I mean, yeah. If we could, if we could like get sort of reliable access to those, you know, park chess sets where like every piece is about his size. First off, he could just like play the chess king. There's this famous picture, and I'm sure you've seen it, right? Where with the, I think it's the, what are they called? I'm losing words now. Those very, very fluffy, big, white dogs. I mean, they look like spitzes, but they're like three times the size. Uh, why am I, why am I losing words over all of Englishman. Yeah, English. Yeah, like I can't. I, I, the problem is, if I if I remember what they're called in Russian, I would probably be able to translate. But I, mm-hmm. I've just completely lost the name of the breed. <sighs> and also, like the owners just get so upset if you just call them a spitz. Yeah. So, like, there is this very famous picture of this like park chess set, and I think one of the pawns is just replaced by this dog. Yeah, I've the, seen that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Holding the sit position very, very carefully and like not moving. He could, he could he could definitely do a black piece in a in a park chess set, but that's not really much of a trick. Is he trained to like do sit and roll over and all that stuff? Have you figured that? Yeah, out? He does. He does all of those things. Yeah, some of them more reliably than others, but yeah, he does. He does all of those things. In particular, if you have cheese, <laughs> do you speak to him in in Russian or English? That's the uh, some commands are in English because they're shorter. Mm-hmm. Like he knows the command touch, which yeah, the, the the Russian word would be a lot less, a lot more wieldy. Yeah, is is wieldy even a word? I know unwieldy is a word, but is we can assume we can assume that the that they're wieldy is a word. Mm. I think for our for this, you know, yeah. I mean, this what is this broken English on both of us now? So mm. yeah, yeah, I have so noticed he, though he, some of the commands are in English, but most of them are Russian. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm learning Russian now, and this is one of the difficult things about Russian compared to, like other, 
Europe, European family languages that I've tried to learn where like, like simple Russian verbs and phrases are very large compared to their English or romance language equivalents. Like even saying hi, like, mm. is I, like I finally gave up on Google. And of course, the dog is called Samoyed, uh -huh, which is yeah. both a Russian and an English word, you know, on, on this topic as well. It's a it's a word which I think uh, began as a Russian word, but is now, I think, universally accepted as a dog breed. So, yeah, if you if you tell a Samoyed owner it's a Spitz, they will probably be mad at you for a while. I mean, I, 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 all honesty, I'm not very well versed with. I mean, I know golden retriever and Labrador and stuff like that. Mm. I know, I know the basics, but I don't. And know. You will be able to tell them apart. Well, those, I mean, golden retrievers tend to be a little more um, fluffy. I think than yeah. Labradors. Yeah. Labradors. I think, I think that's actually hair. not that difficult. Yeah, that's yeah, that's manageable. No, but there are, you know, and then there are all those like half breed dog mm. ones, is like the the ones that are like the dachshund. That's not really a dachshund um mm. so like that's where it gets weird and then people but you're right i mean people with dog breeds they get very defensive mm. like if you insist that someone's you know poodle is something else they're like ah how yeah. can you not um yeah we were viciously attacked by a by a multi-pool on our walk today i'm so sorry how how, how did you recover are you okay uh battle yeah <clears throat> yeah it was just kind of funny because like uh you know you know what a multi-pool is yeah it's like uh, a Maltese, a Maltese and a poodle. They're like one fifth the size of of the boy. Although and, is uh, it? But but your but Joyce is huge though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and, one fifth and, is and, not and, like. No, no, but that's that's like a very very miniature. It was bred to be be a, a lady's mm. dog, like a a handbag. Yeah, and he was chasing him around like, and he was very kind of happily running away from it and. You know, he he doesn't mind. He has no no ego. When 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 dogs play with him, he is perfectly okay being being chased around. But it was kind of funny to watch because like you, you you wouldn't expect this dynamic to develop immediately. But yeah, it just it just saw him and went for him. <laughs> Have you ever I, tried to take I, Joyce with you to like one like abroad? Nah, no, it's uh, it's too tricky. It, it it's. It's tricky, and also it's just like if there's no particular reason to do it, you just don't do it because it's going to be a traumatic event for him because mm -hmm. he'll have to go in the hold. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, he is very, very attached to us, and he will not enjoy the thought of being in a crate in a hold for like I don't know five hours. And uh, yeah, with actually showing him something like. I, I often think I would very much like to travel with him, but logistically, it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. In terms of traveling, I mean, so you were in Sweden, like I said, you were just in Amsterdam, you were in Dusseldorf for the, I think it was Dusseldorf, right? The World mm -hmm. Rapid, that WR chess rapid thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that thing, yeah. The other World Rapid Team Championship. Um, yeah. So apparently, another it was definitely one of the one of the rapid world chess. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. <laughs> um, there were like three in a row in the space of a month or something. Yeah, was... yeah. I mean, you got to give it to Fide. I mean, especially in this era where, like you said, Chess Twenty Four is not around to really um, uh, give you a good calendar. Then Fide is here, just reminding you that you know, even even if we had the 
logistics like we don't even know what a world rapid slash like world no, but the, the, on, on the other hand it's like you know those charts where like your your dnd name is like your your name of your the name of your like those charts where like they give you month and days of the month and you choose and you choose your dnd name by combining like your your birthday fide when they name official events they have access to very very limited vocabulary <laughs> you know like it's a fide world and then the time control and then if it's a team event it's team and then there's a world championship in there somewhere right so it's it's not like they can go absolutely wild you know naming naming their official events so yeah they do end up being named very very similarly but for a change it might not be entirely their fault i have to be honest though i was not following that event super closely but i do know that there was like this super team with uh whiting mm -hmm. rosenstein i mean did, did you end up playing that team no were you ever was your team ever nervous about running into that team who is your team we did we of? did play them and we well, actually... you were the pensioners right you yeah, were yeah, we, we, we and... pensioners. Yeah. yeah and weirdly because like on paper we had no shot whatsoever uh because we were like behind on rating i think on every single board and uh we actually sort of because like when all when all is said and done it's basically a pro-am right it's just it's just a pro-am and most of the teams in the event uh stretched the definition of the am to absolute extremes uh whereas the pensioners played it fairly like extremely fairly because our amateurs we had four people playing the last board but our main amateur the person who played i think nine out of the 12 12 games is a world famous violinist who plays you know occasional puzzle rush on his phone and is like just legitimately rated around i don't know 1500 doesn't i think that was his first ever competitive chess tournament wow uh <laughs> and judging by the positions we were seeing on the last board he was constantly playing against people who were like 2200 but somehow weren't because they i don't know slipped under the radar or were very young or you know so there was a bit of a a bit of a struggle to to score points on the last board but that was actually the one game he won he did beat vadim uh after being completely busted by move 10 in some in some french wow and i very briefly had a very good position against jan in the king's gambit and vlad was basically winning against prague at one point at least so for for a you know for a short second there we actually looked like we might scare them a little bit because i think there were three points ahead at that point and if they lose and the team chasing them the team with uh vishy and uh the, the the rest if that team actually gets within a point i think it becomes a little bit of a squeaky bomb time for uh for them they could have maybe started worrying maybe they like considering how how easily they were kind of coasting through the whole thing maybe even that one point would have been plenty but yeah if we if we beat them it would have been suddenly a much closer tournament yeah um well I mean now what uh Vadim is uh world champion so yes yeah does that like when you think about your tournament shortcomings 
I mean, I know you just, we also, I was going to mention this Levitov thing where you, you finished second, Jan, I think won that. Mm. Um, and I think you mentioned to me that you had a horrible choke. Uh, um, yeah, that was, yeah, we can, we can get, you, you had a question here yeah, and then I, and then I can moan about, about Amsterdam for a bit. But where, but where does um, this, you know, world rapid team championship to electric boogaloo, like where does that, you know, not quite getting that team championship, does that place anywhere? No, we were not in the running. Even if we beat, like what, what would have happened had we won that match would be, the whole tournament opens up and we have a better shot of, I don't know, finishing in the top five. We were very, very far behind. Basically, the reason they were playing us is that they played everybody else. They were getting downfloated sort of all the way down. Uh, so it wasn't about us. And I have, like, I don't think we had a realistic expectation of fighting for for, for gold there. Once again, specifically because we, we took the approach of, uh, you know, Vladimir Kramnik was in charge of composing the team and his idea, like he had a bunch of candidates for for that last board, and some people just couldn't play logistically. But it was always going to be a musician. He knows a lot of very, very, very good musicians, uh, and it was always going to be a musician who is like legitimately a musician and not a chess player, uh, which is fun. And I really enjoyed hanging hanging out with Christoph, and he's he's a wonderful guy. And I wouldn't have had I wouldn't have had it any other way. But when when you are to a large extent, giving that board up when you play against stronger teams, because in stronger teams, like last board was clearly a, a professionally trained chess player of some sort. Yeah. Uh, starting pretty much every match from minus one is not a recipe for for uh, for tournament success. So no, that that I don't count as as a as a regret. There are some things inside that tournament that I count as a regret because, like in round two. We made a draw against the team we should have beaten because I just had a very, very strange brain fart and lost in one move the position where I was like plus seven. I saw that it's, game. I saw actually. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, and I saw the winning line and everything. It's not like I was unaware how how to win that position in a different way, but I I just went for like style points and style points were basically just resigns instead of accepts resignation, <laughs> as it turns out. Which is not great in a team, but that was uh, like like twenty three hundred or something, right? Some yeah, yeah. No, he, that was a decent decent player. But I I've, yeah. I've actually played that game fine. I I out like I I took some decent decisions in the opening. I sort of converted on mistakes, and all all that was required from me by that point was just not to go completely insane, and that apparently wasn't possible. So I I do regret like once again it's a team competition. If it was a personal rapid i would be upset but i would be upset for about three seconds in the team competition when this makes uh a one match into a draw that stings that yeah. i didn't like but the fact that overall we didn't finish anywhere near the the medals we were kind of at peace with it from the start yeah you mentioned uh you mentioned amsterdam and your little your little rant um but how was how was levitov chess week i mean you got to spend I assume some time with your chess friends. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was a, uh, like people did remark, and it was kind of funny because it was sort of the intention to a degree, and it was something that we felt was kind of nice and chill about the tournament. But some people very justifiably were uh, pointing this out as a drawback because it felt like, say, I don't know, a Tal Memorial circa 2011. 
with you know some names replaced mm -hmm. and uh you know for these group of people because it's it's not a like it's a very competitive tournament because the people playing in it are extremely competitive being professional chess players and professional players of any game will never treat any event differently but it's mainly as an idea like the way the way Ilya views it is a meeting of friends who you know hang out together spend a lot of time together between games after games you know uh, so yes the field very much you know reflected that because he's been in chess and around chess for the past close to 20 years by now and this is the circle of people who were you know the the the, the early people he, he he met and kind of liked and hung out with uh, so obviously if you wanted a, an ultra competitive rapid event you would be including some of the kids but mm -hmm. this like the formula is a bit different when when it comes to this particular thing but as for the rant yeah like it was it was a very friendly very kind of a chill social event but it's been a while since I've been plus six in a field like this after top of 15 <laughs> rounds and uh I was sort of very sanguine about the idea of not actually being able to catch up to how however many points Jan scores because Jan is just a stronger player than, than I am I mean many people in this field arguably maybe even not arguably but just like objectively stronger players than I am but when I'm playing well and they and they have a bit of an off tournament I think I can hang and I think this tournament also kind of showed I can still hang in particular in short time controls I'm I'm okay uh in these fields but Jan when Jan cares and he definitely came there to win he was quite <laughs> quite serious about defending his title I think he won the 2019 edition as well mm -hmm. uh so I was okay with eventually not not finishing top even though like I wasn't resigned to it but I not winning the tournament with Jan playing as well as he was playing was okay but the thing about losing the last three wasn't even that I ended up dying for second instead of finishing clear second it's just that it kind of ruins ruins your memory of the tournament because that's what you end up remembering and the first three days and the, even the beginning of day four when I won that game against Vlad which wasn't flawless by any stretch but it was still a fun game where I sacrificed some stuff and then didn't give mate and five his checks and had to win it all over again and then when I won it all over again that was you know fun and exciting and you know some of the more some of the more interesting chess I've played in a while and all of that gets to a degree washed down the drain when you finish a tournament like I did and that was that was the regret it's not anything like you know monetary or glory or any of those things it's just that it's very nice to still be able to play chess well and the first three and a bit days were definitely me playing the chess about as well as I have in in quite some time and um ruining that definitely stang quite quite badly you know I it's I don't you know I I do science that's my my real job um since you joined the podcast you've had these you know rather impressive results so I'm wondering if there's some correlation there maybe you can talk about that a little bit yeah I think this is a like a very very kind of a nice thing that we're doing here because obviously as you've just pointed out and yeah the thought had occurred to me uh, earlier so 
yeah, you you signing off and me kind of doing what I did in the last three rounds in Amsterdam, it, it all frankly points in, in one direction and one direction only. So yeah. now, now <laughs> I guess this is where I kind of announced that, I, you know, I'm using this very prestigious opportunity to formally announce that I will never play a competitive game of chess ever wow. again. Which isn't true, but would be would be a nice <laughs> kind of a would be a nice sort of a blog for for your final episode. Yeah, you you one up me on my uh, my my retirement, you know. Yeah, but I'm not like I I'm sort of exactly the same amount of retired as I was, uh, let's say a month or two ago, or even a year ago. Um, I feel like uh, I can still play chess rather well. But I also feel like it's time to very seriously consider uh, sort of what next, uh, because I I don't think I will have like a proper playing career that you can call a playing career. I will still play, and I suspect on occasion I will still play quite quite well. But I think uh, future probably lies elsewhere. Well, I mean, you were around. Vladimir Kramnik, Boris Gelfand, and Vichy, right? Those mm-hmm. they were playing. Did you was this something you talked to them about? Because all of them have kind of found their niches, what to do, you know, post uh let's no, say. We, we we weren't really comparing notes as such. I, yeah. I just uh, I'm I'm very happy to see them. It's uh, I don't I don't see Vichy nearly enough for, for my liking, and we've had some some nice conversations, and it's just always a joy to be around him, but the the topic of sort of what to do, what to do once your playing career is sort of meaningfully over, did not really come mm-hmm. up all that much. And uh, what about Jan? I mean, I, I I don't know what your relationship is with Jan, but Jan obviously just came off a a very difficult World Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, how has he taken that? I mean, he seems to still be in great form. I mean, I I find him personally. You know, he's. I think he's an amazing player to to watch and follow when he's. Yeah. When he's clicking, he's just he's really just a joy to watch. Yeah, I think I think he is uh, mostly over it. Like, it's very difficult for me as someone who has never really been particularly close to qualifying for the title match to, you know, put myself in the shoes of somebody who lost two in a row. It must hurt a great deal. Like I, I know this much even without having that personal experience. Yeah. You can, you can imagine. How badly it hurts, and like, and uh, Dubai wasn't that close in in the final count, and I think we had this conversation. Like, it's it's a lot closer than the scoreline the scoreline suggests, but mm-hmm. it's still a minus four scoreline for Jan. So he, I don't think he can feel, you know, particularly aggrieved. Yeah, but uh, but the match against Ding must have been a, a massive, massive kick. Uh, because that felt at various points in the match like it was basically his to lose. Uh, and uh, yeah, that that must not have been fun. But uh, that I think was, you know, one of the kind of obvious market differences between this make of Yanni Pomniche and sort of the earlier models. He is, I think, a lot more resilient and he is a lot more serious about achieving things. Yeah, I mean, and I think I... You, you you can see it in the way he plays, uh, and uh, I think he is still unbelievably motivated. 
I think uh, the candidates, the next candidates in which he will play, you will feel it's, I mean, it's a topic. I don't know if you are planning to go there, but I, I don't want to be, you know, unfair or harsh on Ding, but clearly something isn't quite right, right? Like we can we can say that without going into details. I don't have any details, but from what we see and from sort of the whispers you you get, uh, the the next candidates will be extremely interesting for the people in playing in it because uh, you don't have Magnus to play against if you win it, right? It's a, it's a different it's a very very different uh, landscape. Uh, so it's it's going to be a very very exciting tournament where i think a lot of people will feel that this is you know as good a shot as any yeah uh, it's going to be not just to not, to not just win the candidates but potentially to to be in a very very decent spot to become world champion and i think jan is very very serious about that from yeah. from what i can from what i can see from the outside i'm not really involved in any way shape or form but mm. the impression i get is uh he's he's very much sort of in favor of the idea of winning the candidates for the first for the third time in a row and i think he he starts as definitely starts as one of the favorites because he is playing really well well it also helps to have uh two world championships worth of prep that he's still yes. sitting that, that, on that as well yeah but <laughs> Which people are gonna have to catch up with him for that. I yeah, I think he's. I definitely slept on him. I ate my I ate my hat, um, and I got ratioed on Twitter horribly. Mm. Um, but with my last takes about the candidates, I'm not sleeping on. I mean, I think he's a huge favorite. I'm actually hoping it's in Toronto. It's supposed to be in Toronto. I mean, you, mm. you never know with Fide and um, yeah, yeah, that is that is a fair point. Yeah. There's also this whole thing with uh, like Canadian and Indian visas now. There's some yeah, political beef, so maybe half the candidates' field will end up not being able to go, and then you know we're just gonna go to Uzbekistan or wherever. Um, but I mean, if it is in Toronto, I would like to go. Um, that's that's mm. kind of my my tentative plan to get a to get a taste of chess. And uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's exciting. I I think this candidate's, you know. I think we have time for some hot takes and that's going to be my hot take that Jan is going to dominate the field again. I don't see it. And uh, you're right as well with there's no lingering. Maybe Magnus plays. Maybe he doesn't. Mm. This is just like you got it. And that changes the I I think like before, you know, there was some second was good enough. That affects the mentality as well. Yeah, Yeah. In a weird way, because you would think, you know, oh, you could play for second, like, okay, now we have to really go for it. But I think you're also maybe if you're in halfway through the tournament, you're second or third, and you think I can afford a draw, I can um so yeah, it is it's gonna be it'll be a fun one though. I think like um I, I, I don't know what's up with Ding. I mean he's not playing, right? But he's like Fisher then, right? Like Yeah, I, he is he's just completely disappeared. He had a few like he played the Bucharest, right? And then he withdrew from the next leg, and we haven't seen him since. I think he, he withdrew from this one as well, the Asian Games. Basically. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, he isn't even playing online because he was replaced in the in the Speed Chess Championship, I think, and also yeah, definitely in the Speed Chess. I don't know if he was slated to play the. I think for that he would have to qualify, but he's also not playing the the Champions Chess Tour. Uh, so yeah, he is just like gone completely in. Korea 
incommunicado uh and yeah you 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 have to assume it's not for particularly optimistic reasons yeah and it's regrettable because you know digging at his best is a fantastic player to watch and i think we would all very much like for him to be around and to to show his best chess but something something is happening and when we don't know what it is do we mr jones no mr jones yeah yeah um we also were talking a little bit about i mean you mentioned vladimir kramnik who mm. has also been kind of in the spotlight recently for some yeah. I don't know, talking about interesting interviews i don't know if you watched that full c squared podcast no um, i haven't because it's uh my my you know i i'm having attention issues and also i do have uh, uh vladimir as a telegram contact uh-huh oh, so too. i get i get previews yeah. <laughs> and yeah i'm 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 sort of aware of of, of his positions on things and um yeah it's a it's a curious one right because uh it's it's one of those spots where I think the two positions you have to hold in your head here simultaneously, and this is like the sort of the measured take here is uh, that also changed because I think uh, he actually got some input from people who are, you know, properly mathematically trained and people who might actually have a pretty decent clue about what's going on, maybe even not just with numbers in general but like specifically with those numbers uh so uh, that's also been upgraded but you know considering his earlier his earlier positions i think he was doing a lot of mathing by himself and uh he is not a, a professionally trained statistician so uh you know sample sizes probably weren't great conclusions drawn from sample sizes probably weren't very reliable so that was like the initial position i think you could very reasonably take but i think it needs to be coupled with the understanding that uh he's been a professional chess player for you know well nigh 40 years now and he has a pretty good nose and even if he is overblowing this the the scope of the problem you probably sh you are sort of completely ignoring his words at your peril you know yeah uh when he says i don't know i i haven't seen the numbers but like i think he said 20 yeah i've seen some people quote like high double digits that's probably overstating the things a little bit let's mm -hmm. put it like this but i also don't don't think he's just barking up entirely the wrong tree I think the issue exists I think the issue has a lot of potential to blow up in all of our faces eventually uh and uh um that's that's not great I don't have a particularly constructive way of dealing with it either I just think that by you know by and large pretending this isn't happening and sort of politely kind of waving it away as you know Vladimir being Vladimir and uh you know just kind of nodding to yourself and moving moving swiftly on 
this will only play well for a while yeah and then and then when as i assume eventually the the weight of evidence about some cases just becomes completely overwhelming or you know somebody at some point you know gets careless and actually kind of gets caught which you know might happen eventually who knows uh you, you know we we all might find ourselves in a kind of an in unfortunate position of having been kind of warned for years that perhaps there's a bigger problem that is being admitted to and doing nothing about it and uh yeah that's you know the the, the fallout will not be fun I could like I could be I could be wrong as well I could be like it's possible that we can coast for quite some time without nothing actually ever happening I'm I'm not like hugely hopeful for for improvement you know either way uh but yeah I think like my as usual extremely lukewarm take is uh Vladimir is probably is probably slightly overstating the sort of the extent to which online chess is accessible. But you should, you know, you should swim swim carefully in it as well. Like it's not, it's not pristine. Yeah. I mean, I have two thoughts on that. And the first is that I yeah, I, I agree with you. Um I think, like you said, uh Vladimir Kramnik is not coming from a data science background and it's easy to nitpick. Well, you know, maybe that's something that you and him can do together. I mean, you know, now you're looking for stuff to do post chess. You could get a data science certificate, learn some Python and maybe, you know, could, uh, yeah. And do, uh, we could, we could take this into a completely different direction because I suspect you will actually know what data Kalada is. I've heard of it, but I've ah, okay. And yeah. we could okay, then yeah, I mean we could yeah. discuss we could discuss the data colada for the for the next 30 to 30 minutes. <laughs> but I, I I'm actually listening to to a podcast about this now as well. Like I've gone slightly down that rabbit hole. I was aware of, of the whole thing previously, but it's mm-hmm. now it's kind of come to a head a little bit with the with the story of that Harvard professor who is now yeah, that well, the, that's hilarious. I mean, I really it's it's funny. It's funny in a very non-funny way. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's like Greek, Greek drama almost, though. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, there are bits of it which are incredibly funny, but the the general situation is probably you know for people involved in it, they probably aren't enjoying it all that much because it kind of puts the entire field in in a in a spot. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna become a data scientist, but uh, I am aware of of problems with you know p hacking and yeah. Uh, well, it's I it's... suspect some p p hacking might be happening somewhere in this conversation, and uh, uh, that's that's sort of was was the 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 first thing I said that I think uh, some of the conclusions he's come to are maybe to do with the fact that uh, no serious mathematicians have had a stern talk with him yet. Yeah, but I mean, that could also, I mean, I, I mean, he said on this podcast that he has some team of statisticians he's working mm-hmm. with now for a full report. I mean, that I would love to see that. 
because I mean, one of the unfortunate things about this last cheating crisis is you see all these professional players who allude to cheating at the top level. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm not in these circles. Um, I can't verify any of these things. Informally, I would assume that, you know, I mean, I don't want to drop a farm or ask you if you ever felt like you've been cheated over the board or anything. So I won't do that. But, um, you know, then they said they just recently settled Neiman and chess.com. And now, yeah, cheating is not a problem anymore because it's bad for business. And um, yeah, like I would be willing to guess that there are a lot of people who cheat online because it's very yeah. easy. Yeah, I think, yeah, to answer your question, no. Uh, and even online, uh, there's been very, very few cases where, uh, you know, I would I would lose a game and I would think to myself, hang on a second, that's just not right. Uh, and honestly, maybe never in tournaments. Like you would occasionally, I gave simuls and I gave those uh, like banter blitzes, right? And in those occasionally, like you would get paired against the 1700 who would just absolutely wipe the floor with you. And and I mean, but even then, I wouldn't say anything on air because, like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. There's nothing at stake, and I don't want to like ruin the atmosphere or specifically like call down the wrath of God on that particular person. Yeah, um, if 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 you, let's say if the admins are watching, they might make their own conclusions. But I I don't think I've ever called for for an investigation or reported anyone. Uh, maybe once, but I like. I definitely reported one person once, but that wasn't for cheating. That was for uh, some stuff said in direct messages, which I, even for me, kind of crossed the line. That's crazy. Yeah, like I, I, I am very okay with being, you know, called everything under under the sun. But that particular person went to places which I felt <laughs> no one should go to mm -hmm. without some sort of repercussions. Um. So yeah, I, I. I generally don't feel like whenever I lose I feel like okay I should have played better um and over the board no and even online as I said like extremely rarely but yeah there's there's definitely stuff going on online the question is just how widespread it is yeah and I'm not sure we've I mean it doesn't it doesn't seem like there's anybody I mean well chess.com obviously cares but they don't which maybe is good. They don't share their methods of how they detect these people. They show a lot of fancy graphs, but like you can't verify any of this stuff. Mm. One of the I still I still think about this plot all the time where they kind of tried to project current prodigies and their rise and maybe potential fall mathematically. And there's no explanation how they do this. And then you just have people yeah. look at this and say, oh, this player is, you know, not going to make it or whatever. And you don't know what any of this stuff really means, but they use this to analyze players. But maybe that's good because, you know, if, if a cheater has access to these equations and then yeah, they, I, you know. I agree. Yeah. And uh, no, no, I think I think on that particular point, they're entirely correct. I don't think I don't think it would be good for them to to disclose disclose methodology because that would just enable more sophisticated cheating. Yeah. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, yeah, I mean, the, the, they're also in a very weird spot, of course, because. Uh, uh, people demand accountability and some some sort of transparency, but uh, those same people will not be probably will not be very happy with the results of chess.com being very transparent on this right. topic. So, uh, yeah, it, none of what I said, you know, earlier is to is to imply I know how chess.com is supposed to treat this. Uh, you know, they 
over the last however many years grew from uh, you know a, a, a big website to do a, like a, a universally sort of beloved everybody's favorite chess platform where you know millions of people play and uh, assign sort of emotional importance to and uh, they have to take some very uncomfortable decisions I suspect and I I don't envy them but right um my suspicion is uh that uh even when it blows up sort of properly and I don't think like Vlad's usage of his chess.com profile as a social media is not really a proper blowout this is a a story that occasionally gets reported outside of our bubble but kind of in a very rudimentary manner but even when a proper blow up blow, blow up comes uh yeah I think I think very few people will come out smelling like roses yeah you were actually in St. Louis when the whole yeah Neiman thing happened. I remember because yeah. I wanted to go visit, and my Greyhound bus never showed up, mm. um, which is just the state of American public transportation. Um, and but like, what was what was going on behind the scenes? I mean, I, maybe it's not okay to ask, but like, you know, what what the St. Louis? Shot, I mean, obviously, it could not have been good, but like, was there talks of the whole tournament shutting down? And like, I mean. No, no, not not as far as I remember. I, my memory will not be as as fresh as as it was then. And also, some of this stuff, you know, involves not just me but other people. So right. I think I should be uh, I should be talking about uh, those things. But no, I mean, obviously, it was a huge crisis, and uh, you know, there were sort of emergency talks with the commentary team, and I was aware of some of the things being being said outside that. Like, I talked to some players, but. Yeah, that was that was just a yeah. Nobody nobody really knew what to do. I don't think the tournament was never really going to get shut down, as far as as far as I could tell. I don't know what the internal discussions between the people in the club were, but I did not get the impression they were actually considering not finishing the tournament. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was was just like bad for all concerned. And now you're uh, you're coming back to St. Louis, I think, in November, right? Is that the slated plan? to? Yeah, yeah, slated to. And it's for Seagfield Cup? For both, yes, Seagfield and, and the Rapid Numbers. Um I I think you haven't played the yeah, you haven't played Rapid and Blitz in now a couple of years, right? I played in twenty one, right? Because I was yeah, I think that was twenty one when mm-hmm. uh I was going there. I <laughs> that was a kind of a, a funny story because um very, very late in the piece we me and Olga we had this idea that we should maybe ask well one of my kids the one who's not been to america yet at that point if he wanted to go and i was supposed to do commentary for the whole thing like i was supposed to commentate on 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 the single cup and then the rapid and blitz and play in the fisher random but that's at the back end of it mm-hmm. so we asked and he immediately said no but we we know our kids because like they've been we've been around them for a while so that wasn't a very convincing no like sometimes you you hear a no and you know there's no point in asking again, but that was a no that felt like yeah maybe ask me again like in a three hours time or something. So we 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 got him to say yes and you know road trip, bonding experience you know, and then like a day and a half prior to us flying out, I get a message from the club that I think it was with Richie not being able to make it. I think that was that year. Yeah, I think that was the story. 
And the club just says to me, you know, are you okay playing in both events instead of commentating? And obviously, like, it's it's a good opportunity. And I was maybe slightly less retired then than I was now. But also that like changes the the emotional tenor of why I'm there so much that you know had right. I known had I known beforehand I probably wouldn't have taken my my son with me because you know I'm not going to be able to dedicate nearly as much time to uh to him as would have been the case and so on but it was still a fun bonding experience but uh was was changed very much were you impressed by the uh by the beautiful cornfields of the Midwest, did that inspire you, or is it boring you? There isn't that. Like we, uh, we did sort of the usual things that we that that, that one does in St. Louis. Like we did the, the the zoo and the the museum, and uh, we also did the, the there's the elk park there with a lot of elk supposedly, and uh, we even like for the first. Two hours of that walk, there was not a single elk to be seen. And then suddenly we met a jogger jogging in the opposite direction. And she stopped and said, elk round that corner. And we thought she must be fooling with us because like until that moment, none, none at all. And yeah, we, we, we sort of went around the bend and there they were en masse. Wow. So yeah, very enjoyable. Well, and it was it was a good ten days, and Kido, I think, actually liked it quite a bit, which is unusual for him. <laughs> I mean, I've never. I mean, now I live fairly close. I've still never been to St. Louis. I'm hoping to go for this this upcoming circuit of tournaments. Although I know also, like St. Louis Chess Club, hasn't exactly had a a good run at it in the last few months. So I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping there will be some some sort of conflict resolution to the recent so so do drama. i yeah so yeah do I. They, it's a little that, that, that needs that needs to happen at some point i yeah I'm, I'm not sure what form it it can take but very much hoping something moves there because yeah the the, the current state of affairs is regrettable should yeah. I say but uh, i still think uh i still think uh we are owed a a beer so we should uh try to make that happen yeah you know, somebody somebody owes somebody a beer it's probably me it's just normally it's me. I, I I I operate under that assumption whenever this conversation <laughs> comes up. Whoever is the other person. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like an open tab? What's the what's the situation, Mister Everything Under the Sun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course it yeah. is. Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. I mean, on that note, I mean, I thought this would just be be fun because um, I mean, the last conversation we had was rather heavy. I think. Mm. and sort of blew up my my podcast feed so um i don't know i i did i never when i started this podcast a few years ago i didn't um did not ever expect it to become what it became so a little victory lap today um and i don't know when i'll when i'll be back i mean i would like to bring it back but um you should actually do the the science the science thing properly for a while i think that's that's a good decision and I, I do wish you all the best. And, you know, whenever you, like, I, I see a little snippet of, like, I have no idea about your field, but whenever you mention something about your field, I think to myself, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I'd be, I'd be very excited if I was actually good enough to understand what those words mean and to be somehow involved 
in any of this. Well, maybe that's maybe that's uh, that's what's what's in store for you. You got to hit the books, get that astronomy degree, and uh, yeah, could send you yeah, some textbooks. I, I look, I look exactly like the guy <laughs> who is about to become an astronomy major. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's an exciting field. It's growing faster than ever. Um, and no, and actually, it's very similar to professional chess in that you know more people are interested than ever, but there's still a very small like elite circuit, you know, that you probably don't make it to, but I'm trying to get there at some point. So, but that was a decision. We're all, we're all wishing you on it. I don't even mean this sarcastically. Regrettably would have been much better if I didn't mean a word of it. Yeah. Who needs to be genuine though? Like, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. I can't seem to shake it, but yeah, I need, I need to work on that more. Yeah, just, and I also you know, strip strip all humanity and you know just become this dry husk of <laughs> mechanized reactions to everything. And euphemisms, lots of euphemisms. Yes, yeah, lots yeah. of euphemisms. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. A fuck ton of euphemisms. Yeah. A euphemism ton of euphemisms. Why are you spoiling my joke? I've been spoiling the jokes for what already over a year now. Yeah. And I've been getting into Russian music. Shufatinsky, your favorite? Oh my, yeah. Like most of the viewership will not know the depth of cringe that this invokes, <laughs> but like this this young man with like a you know a stellar academic career in front of him and also a social life and things, and he is listening to Shufatinsky. And but this, it reminds is... me of home. You you like it? That's it. Reminds me of my of my childhood because I was I was growing up. Um, like my Russian side of my family, or I should say Soviet side of my family, but you know, back then was Russian side of the family. I mean, we would have these like, you know, events at the Russian restaurants sitting in like South Brooklyn and it would be stuff like Shufutinsky and this like, yeah, you know, yeah, I was, I've been to Brighton Beach once in my life. And uh, yeah, we, we, we did not go to a restaurant, but we went into a store to buy something and that thing was blaring out of the. <laughs> the speakers like the not not Shufutinsky specifically but like the the music of my youth in the worst possible meaning of the word like the absolute horrible like the most stale and unbearable stuff and the people were so happy and yeah I thought yeah we must flee <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but it was it's and, uh... we, and we fled well, most people flee to Brighton Beach, you know, at least back then in the 90s, mm -hmm. that was what was happening. So it's kind of a nice reversal. Um, but Brighton Beach is changing. Everything seems to be changing in New York and uh, mm. in life, too. It's uh, mm. but that's a nice thing. You know, I I feel like I never thought my you know, I never thought I would be interviewing the the great P Peter Svidler of the uh Carlson's Fiddler match in 2013. I watched the Agat Matsuar video and I remember like reading about you. I remember this other St. Louis chess club drama like four years ago. <laughs> and, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was Yeah. That was, it was a it was an episode. Yeah. Yeah. I I I made some life resolutions then. Yeah. Yeah. Which but, I'm probably about to break, but uh it's what to do. Yeah, what to do. But it's been great. I mean, that's my point. And it's mm. been really, you know, I I consider you uh, definitely like the true friend of the podcast. And, uh, you know, it's been Thank great you. to 
to talk to you every now and then get your thoughts on things um and uh yeah i wish you all the best and you know if i ever bring this back i'll be sure to let you know and we can you know please do yeah, yeah. this is this is very enjoyable very yeah and uh yeah i mean i i guess on that note i'll just say for the final time to the to everyone who's listened that uh this has been a blast uh, I hope it's not goodbye, but it probably is for the next while while I, you know, try to write some papers and and get my PhD properly rolling. Um, and uh, I've been doing a yeah. stupid balancing act for like two years, so time to focus. But I'll, I mean, I'll still tweet. I'll still be around. I'll still yeah. make my crazy threads about crazy things and mm. uh, not a goodbye. Yeah, if, if that statistics thing ever comes to anything, I'm I'm here. And also on the topic of focusing and prioritizing, have you been watching The Bear? I have not watched it yet, but I know it's set in Chicago. You should, you so, should, you yeah. should, you should watch The Bear. Okay, I will. I, my my friends are watching it; they love it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gusti, Gusti, like I've 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 been hearing about it for a while, and then uh, Gusti came to Amsterdam, and that was like one of the very first things he said to me, like, "Are you watching The Bear? And if not, get on it." And I binged the. The two seasons in like three days, and wow, yeah, it's it's very very good. I but that's uh that's gonna be um I mean I'm actually looking for a show to watch. I haven't been watching you. I mentioned the Oscars. I don't watch too many movies. I don't watch too mm. many shows. So, but I watched like two movies this weekend. So, you know, I'm getting there. I'm trying to find new things to replace the podcast stuff with. But yeah, with one minute left, I'll just say for the final time, thank you so much, guys. This has been a wild ride. I uh, got to travel, got to meet people, got to, you know, make good friends in the chess world like Peter. And, uh, you know, this isn't goodbye. I'll be back. And uh... <laughs> yeah. And as as a person on the other side of this, we all wish you the best in whatever you choose to do. And yeah, if you do come back, it'll be good. Yeah, it's going to be better. That's that's my commitment. It has to be much better, more consistent, more fun. So that's the plan. But until then, take it easy, guys, and hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, whether old episodes new and uh, yeah it's been a wild ride so thank you and take it easy